first passage we in Exodus. So the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. Read this for us. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. It says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Amen. The second passage of the New Testament, shall I just jump to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament? Chapter 12. Oh yeah, there's a text. Chapter 12. Verse 1 to 8. Read this for us, Matthew 12, verse 1 to 8. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields of the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence? which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read the law how the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and guiltless? I tell you, something greater in the temple is he. If he had known what was me, I desire mercy and sacrifice. He would not come there to do it. Son of man, please, the Lord has said. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, for those who don't know me, my uh, name is Daniel. I'm serving on staff here at Kingsway and yeah, I get really excited that um, I get to uh, preach God's word to you guys, especially today. Um, but before uh, I do, I need some help from God, so uh, why don't you uh, pray with me? Uh, Almighty Father, we uh, gather here uh, because we know that uh, what you have to say to us is uh, one of the most, if not the most important thing for us. So Father, we ask that you might speak through your word, uh, that you might grow us uh, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Help us to understand, but not only to understand, but to feel and be moved and to apply uh, the words that uh, you have prepared for us to hear uh, this morning. Uh, what we know not, Father, would you teach us? Uh, what we feel not, Father, move us and what we are not, won't you make us. Amen. Uh, we're going to start our time together by uh, taking us, uh, for some of us uh, who've grown up in church, I'm going to take us back to our time in Sunday school. Uh, in Sunday school, you would have learned uh, a great many things, but one of the things that uh, most kind of strikes me as I think back to my Sunday school days is uh, learning uh, the commandments of God. Uh, and specifically the Ten Commandments. Um, so let me just uh, walk uh, through those Ten Commandments and see whether you might remember them as I uh, list them out. 
Uh, commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make any idols. Number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And I'll leave number four uh, to the side. Number five, honor your father and your mother. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness. And number ten, uh, you shall not covet. So those were the nine of the Ten Commandments that uh, you would have been taught if you grew up in church and you attended Sunday school. Now, these are Ten Commandments that we read about in the Old Testament. But if you look at the entirety of the Old Testament, um, does anyone know how many commandments there are? To be specifically, it's 613. So there are 613 commandments listed in the Old Testament. But, praise be to God that we're Christians on this side of the resurrection. So many of us know that as Christians, uh, most of these commandments are not required of us. And let me uh, explain why I, I thank God that we don't have to obey this. So here are uh, some particularly strange commandments uh, that seem really foreign to us. Uh, Leviticus 19.19 you shall not wear a garment of cloth made of two kinds of material. So if you're wearing leather and wool at the same time, you're sinning essentially in the Old Testament. Um, here's another one. This is uh, OH&S rule. Uh, if you build a new house, make a railing around your roof so that you don't bring blood guilt on your house if someone falls from it. So you've got to make railings on, the, on your roof. That, that's, that's apparently commanded in the Old Testament. And, and this one's... Uh, my favorite that I don't have to obey. And pigs, though they have hooves, they do not chew the cud. They are unclean for you. Do not eat their meat. Of course, a lot of us like our pork, uh, and we thank God that that is not applicable uh, to us. And you know, we, we're generally glad that many of these commandments don't apply today. But we also recognize that some of them do. And I imagine that Few would argue with me when I say that the Ten Commandments are in a category where we are required to observe it, to obey it, to follow it. Most, I would imagine, would argue and agree that the Ten Commandments are, the, uh, are as important and as relevant for Christians as it was uh, back in the day. And as I said, the Fourth Commandment, the one I did not mention, uh, is the one I want us to... Uh, spend the rest of our time together. Batteries off, Peter. Have you found it weird that whenever I'm preaching, technical difficulties happen? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, thanks, mate. There we go. All right, where was I? Yes, the fourth commandment. Um, I want us to focus a little bit on that because I would imagine that this, out of the Ten Commandments, is probably one of the only ones that we aren't quite sure about. Uh, is it really as relevant as, it, as the other Nine Commandments? And if it is, how do we really effectively apply it as Christians? And these two questions form uh, the two sections of my talk together. Uh, a talk that I'm, I'm giving to us here. So the first point is, uh, what does the fourth commandment mean? And, and, and a link to that, is it relevant for us? And finally, and secondly, how do Christians, if it is relevant, 
uh, honour it. So let's uh, jump into it. The first uh, point that I draw, draw attention to actually comes from the Old Testament. So let's uh, look there. Um, I encourage you guys to have your Bibles open, or if you have the Bible app, uh, have it open uh, on the passage. So Exodus 28 to 11. Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner who is within your gates. Uh, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You know, it's interesting that out of all of the Ten Commandments, uh, this one is described in the most detail here. And in fact, the Sabbath commandment is also the one that is described in the most detail out of any other commandment in the Old Testament. And, and I thought to myself, maybe it's because God recognizes that it is the hardest one to understand. It is the, one of the more harder ones to effectively apply. So let's see if we can you know, get somewhere uh, with that. So the text starts off with, uh, remember the Sabbath day in verse 8. In other words, don't forget it. You know, don't forget the day of stopping and ceasing. If you're interested, Sabbath is the Hebrew word for uh, cease, to cease, to stop, to cease. So don't forget to stop and cease. Uh, keep it holy. In other words, Sabbath is not just to stop or cease or to rest, but it also means as we do that, we set the day aside as more important than the rest of the other uh, six days of the week. Not only that, but it is to set it aside to the Lord your God in verse 10. So a Sabbath is not just rest for rest's sake, although that's helpful for us, but it is God-centered rest. Let's move on. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. In other words, a seventh, the seventh day is ceasing. So in a week, six days we should do our work and do our thing, but one day out of the week we give it to God exclusively. So in summary, don't forget the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath more special than any other day. Out of the seven-day week, give one day exclusively to God. That's the summary. So, out of the Ten Commandments, this is probably the one that many of you guys would probably, not, maybe not vocally, but in your minds, push back against a little. You see, I don't imagine that many of us might debate and question the moral goodness of, let's say, the Sixth Commandment. You shall not murder. Or the seventh, you shall not commit adultery. They're pretty simple and straightforward. And yet, in the fourth commandment, as I walked us through it, you might have been thinking, it makes sense, but it's impractical for me. It makes sense, but is it really good for me? So why do we tend to do that? We look at the rest of the nine, ten commandments, and we go, it's good and right. We might struggle to keep some of them, yes, but, but we never debate about the goodness and the relevance of the nine. So, so why do we do that with the fourth? There are many things to say, to, uh, say about that, but, but I think 
because uh, like the Israelites, so context here, the Exodus, the, the commandment is given to the people of Israel that have just been rescued out of Egypt, right? So the Israelites, hearing these words for the first time, months ago, just months ago, were slaves to their culture. And I wonder if we too have the danger of being slaves to our culture. This commandment was given to people that just a couple of months ago were forced to work Monday to Sunday, seven days a week, no days off, no holiday, no break, some of them for their entire lives until God remembered them and it reached out and saved them. That was their culture. And in their culture, there were slaves. Of course, I'm not saying that we're slaves. We live in a uh, day and age and in a country where we're fortunate enough that I would imagine that none of us are uh, literal slaves like the Israelites were. And yet, hear me out here, much of our culture's view on work, much of our culture's view on career building, the pursuit of pay rises, the excellence in our work ethic, can have the tendency to bleed into our own rhythm of life. And if we're not careful, we also become enslaved to it. The Sabbath is here, and I think it is written in much detail, again, not only uh, in the Ten Commandments section, but throughout the Old Testament, because this idea of work has a way of taking us over. See, work, remember, was given by God as a gift and blessing to us. But what happened in Genesis 3? We disobeyed God, and what happened? Work has become cursed. Sin has cursed work. The ground that we work is cursed. It works against us, oddly enough. Work has, an, has a way of overtaking our time. So the Sabbath command is not meant to be a burden to obey, but it is in fact a blessing to enjoy, to combat against the, the curse of the ground that we struggle against Monday to Saturday. The Sabbath is God giving us a bit of breathing space in the midst of the busyness of work. Well, speaking of Genesis, uh, the text itself, if you didn't notice, bases the command from even before the fall, even before Genesis 3, back to the beginning of Genesis 2. Verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So here's one reason why the Sabbath is still relevant for us as Christians. Because Christians, like the Israelites, were made by God. We are a part of creation. You see, the logic behind the Sabbath is this. God created the world in six days. He worked and stopped work on the Sabbath. Uh, Sabbath uh, yeah, uh, stopped work on the seventh, excuse me. Um, in other words, He Sabbath. So why does He do that? Is, does God get tired? Absolutely not. He's God, the Almighty. 
The reason why he does this is because God here is setting up a pattern for his creation. He's setting up an example for us. He's inviting his people to rest. When at that time, all the other competing notions of God's creating human beings was for the reason and for the purpose of slavery. But in contrast to that, God creates people to work, yes, to worship Him, yes, but gives them the blessing of rest. The invitation to Sabbath is grounded in nature, our nature, how God has created us and the world. We were designed to work, yes, but we were also designed to rest. We were not designed to always be on, to work and work as much as this culture requires of us. Our attitude to the Sabbath, bottom line, is this, reveals what we believe to be actually true about God and about ourselves. To remember the Sabbath is to remember that we are made in the image of God. And because of that, the one who created us knows the best way for us to live. It is an act of trust for us to obey the Sabbath. On the flip side, an inability, or worse yet, an unwillingness to stop and pause from our work can be a confession of our unbelief. It can be an admission that we view ourselves as creator and sustainer of our own world. And this kind of thinking, contrary to what this world might say, makes us not free, but enslaved. Back to Egypt. Enslaved to our ambition. Enslaved to to whatever the new expectation of the world around us is. Speaking of enslavement, here's another reason why the Sabbath is still for us as Christians. Let me uh, read from Deuteronomy 5.15. This is also another place where the Sabbath is explained in detail. You don't need to flip there, but let me read. Verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So, kind of similar to what I've said before, the Sabbath is to remind the Israelites of who they once were. Slaves in the land of Egypt and what God did for them, who brought them out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. The Sabbath reminds God's people that they are free. Like the Israelites, God has also rescued us from the slavery of this world, hasn't he? If we place our hope and faith and trust in Jesus, he has done that. He has brought us out through Jesus, and we too are free. So to remember the Sabbath is to remember that we are free. To remember that we are saved not by works, but by the grace of God. And to stop from working once a day works to remind ourselves with the rhythm of our schedule that work what we do does not define who we are. It is not the sum of our identity. It is not the source of our security. That honour goes to God and God alone. 
Keeping the Sabbath keeps us reminding ourselves of that. See, hopefully, you can now see that the fourth commandment, the command to Sabbath, is not as irrelevant or as unimportant as we might have first thought. It is as essential as any, other, as any of the other nine commandments. So we need to push ourselves to keep it well, just like how we need to push ourselves to keep the other nine well. Keeping it well is an act of trust. Trust that God sustains us as our maker. Trust that God is our saviour and our deliverer. Keeping the Sabbath is never and should never be a burden. Jesus himself says elsewhere that Sabbath is made for man or woman, not man or woman for the Sabbath. God knows us best. He knows that, especially in our day and age, we tend to obsess over our work. So he gives us the Sabbath so we can press the pause button. We can press the pause button on the thing that obsesses, that we are obsessed with. He knows that we tend to forget, that we forget his kindness in rescuing us from slavery. So he gives us the Sabbath so that we might know always, regularly, that we are free. So to keep the Sabbath for us today is to accept not a burden, not a burden, but a blessing that God has given us. To accept the invitation that God gives us to rest, to cease, to pause, and to lean into worshipping Him and Him alone. So hopefully I've managed to convince you somewhat that it is relevant. So now that we've established that, that the fourth commandment is still alive and well for us, that it shouldn't be put into the category of laws like how we can't eat pork or how we can't wear a jacket uh, made of two different uh, uh, fabrics. Christians are called still to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So what? How do we do it then? So let's look at the New Testament to gain some insight. Matthew 12, verse 1 to 8. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. So he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here, and if you, had not, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So, heaps here. I could probably preach a 50-minute sermon on this, but I won't. Just for time's sake, let me quickly explain what's going on. Jesus' disciples are a bit hungry. They're a bit famished. They're hanging out with Jesus. Maybe he forgot to you know, have breakfast or something like that. So they see some grain on the side of the road, so they pluck it and eat it. So the Pharisees see this and they flip out. They accuse Jesus and his disciples of breaking the Sabbath. So then Jesus kind of argues with the Pharisees here. 
and he traps them. He points out their own hypocrisy and says that they aren't the gatekeepers of the Sabbath. They shouldn't be able to interpret what the Sabbath actually means. In fact, Jesus is the gatekeeper. In fact, he is the Lord over the Sabbath. So in other words, Jesus tells the Pharisees the point of the Sabbath is not so much the day itself because that's what the Pharisees are doing here. They're obsessing over the day. But Jesus says the point of the Sabbath is me. See, at the time, the people of God were obsessed over keeping the commandment and emphasizing the when as the most important thing about the commandment. But Jesus unpacks it here like he does with so many of the other Ten Commandments, and brings out the heart behind it. And what is the heart? Well, he said it before. We, we actually looked at it, in fact, last week. If you didn't already know this, Matthew 11, the, chapter, uh, the passage that Paul preached on, comes right before what we're looking at here. What did he say in that passage? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the place we find Sabbath rest. True Sabbath rest is through trusting in Him. So, how do we remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? For the Israelites, the answer was, wrongly, in the when. On the seventh day of the week, they ceased from their work and they tried to worship God on that day. But as important as that might have been, they missed the point. You see, the focus of the commandment was not so much in the when, as important as it is, but in what they did on the Sabbath. For example, the Pharisees, what were they doing out on the Sabbath, trying to trap Jesus out on the fields? Shouldn't they have been in the temple worshipping God? That's another sermon. What they did on the Sabbath is to worship God. The day is the Lord's. When should the Sabbath be for the Christian then? Well, for us, it's not so much a question of when. But the answer is in the what? More specifically, in the who. That is why Jesus rebukes the Pharisees here. In their attempt to obey the fourth commandment, they completely missed the point. Like all the laws of the Old Testament, like the entire Old Testament, the Sabbath points to Jesus. Jesus is our Sabbath. Jesus is our rest. Jesus gives us comfort for our souls. Jesus takes the burden of this world and gives us freedom. So for us today, praise be to God that we don't need to keep the Sabbath, Sabbath rigidly on Saturday. We don't need to insist on ourselves and to one another to stop working at sundown on Friday until sunup on Sunday. Because that's what uh, Orthodox and observant Jews uh, do still to this day. There is a freedom here. There is a freedom of conscience. We shouldn't be like the Pharisees here and insist that all Christians keep a certain day to be free from work and then to take it a step further like the Pharisees do here and sort of arbitrarily define what makes an activity work and not work. Right? Because that's what the Pharisees do here. And to be fair, and to be honest with you, there have been plenty of times throughout our history, our Christian history, where we have got this wrong. 
There were times when churches banned things like playing sport and going to the movies on Sunday. We don't need to be like that. You know, to be sure, the invitation to Sabbath as a weekly act is still a good and right thing for us to do. So don't mishear me. Remember, I said that the Sabbath is relevant. It is important. I don't think Jesus, anywhere, says that he has come to get rid of the idea of keeping the Sabbath on a specific day. It's a weird thing that he would do that. Because remember, the Sabbath is based in creation. How God has created us and called us to live and work and rest. It's also based on redemption, on remembering our salvation. And how great it is that we can do that even more fully than the Israelites did because we have Jesus. So no, I don't think Jesus totally eliminates the Sabbath. He refocuses the point of it. So the question for us to answer today, knowing that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, is this. Which day can I remember set apart as holy to intentionally Sabbath in Jesus? Which day can I remember set it apart as holy to intentionally Sabbath in Jesus? Even though I said that Sunday isn't the Sabbath in the same way that Saturday is for the Jews, Sunday might be a good place for some of us to start. It might be a good place to consider being your Sabbath. Remember, it's freedom of conscience here. It's up to you. Just saying it might be good for you. Because we're already doing church on Sunday. We already have somewhat, if you've been attending church regularly, that we already have somewhat of a habit of treating it as a day, especially set aside for you know, the faith stuff. But for people who say, yeah, cool, maybe I'll treat this Sunday as a Sabbath, the challenge for us then is to ask, okay, how can I then find rest from work on Sunday in Jesus? This is a call for us to shift gear and on Sunday fight to rest in Jesus. That the time we gather here is a time to switch off from our world and our work and intentionally choose to worship Jesus. And what about the rest of Sunday? 11.30, 12 o'clock, when we wrap up the service, how do you shape your Sunday schedule? How might you choose to spend your time so that you guard the day as the day of the week when you intentionally, exclusively lean into Jesus? And for others, it's okay not to keep Sabbath on a Sunday. But... Sunday service is still important, just FYI. See, if you're like me, and you have to work on Sunday, or are required to sometimes work because you're a shift worker and whatnot, the challenge then for us is to fight in our schedules, our weekly schedules, to prioritize Sabbathing in Jesus. To take one day of the week and guard it as His and His alone. 
You see, I initially thought about giving you guys a, a list of maybe like sort of real practical tips uh, to do on the Sabbath, uh, sort of habits to implement uh, that could help us rest in Jesus. But, but I don't think that is what we most need. I think what we most need and what is actually most significant in the battle at this point for us is not so much in the what. It, it, it's not so much in the doing, but it's in the thinking. It's in the mindset of seeking Jesus by setting aside a Sabbath day in our week. The battle starts here first and here. It's about how we treat a specific day of the week. Do we treat that day as holy? My challenge to you as we wrap up this two-week mini-series on rest is to ask you, are you willing to bring in the Sabbath into your life? See, the invitation to Sabbath for the Christian is an invitation to seek after Jesus. One might say, if I agree to seek after Jesus, then why would I not receive the blessing to Sabbath? Jesus is the source of rest. True, lasting, ongoing, final rest. Jesus gives us real rest for those of us here who maybe in this very moment feel overburdened with our jobs, overburdened with our responsibilities, our constant pursuit for perfection in the workplace. Sabbathing in Jesus gives rest that no amount of Netflix holidays, wellness retreats or hobbies can ever hope to compete against. Jesus invites you to rest today. He invites you and challenges you to set a day apart for Him, to remember it and faithfully give it over to Him and watch what He does for you in that space. I've already mentioned this before, but in a world that is obsessed with busyness, in a world that keeps shouting for our time and attention, I wonder how different our faith would look like if Kingsway followed the Lord of the Sabbath properly. If members in our community rested in Jesus regularly as we work in the world we live in. That in our regular schedules and weeks we work hard, yes, but we uncompromisingly set one of those days aside to say, no to the world and to say yes to Jesus to run hard after him exclusively on that day and not after that promotion not after the bonus not after the recognition or the satisfaction of a job well done but to consider all these things as secondary not unimportant but still secondary compared to the surpassing weight of knowing more of Jesus what an amazing thing would it be huh to see us all show our trust in Jesus with our time by taking a day of the week, a day out of the seven that is so precious and valuable to us, and to give it over to Jesus and let Him do with it however He pleases. The call to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy is not an easy one by any means. I mean, in fact, none of the other ten, none of the, uh, ten commandments are very easy. But since Jesus himself is the Lord of the Sabbath, 
The burden of keeping the Sabbath is not a burden anymore for us. It is a joyful invitation for us to live as we were designed, as image bearers trusting in the provision of God our Creator. It is a joyful reminder for us to remember our identity in the Sabbath as redeemed sinners, as born-again people trusting in the saving power of God our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus. It's an issue of trust. To Sabbath is a great blessing God has given to you. Let us rest in it, accept it, enjoy it. The Lord of the Sabbath commands us to do that. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we give you thanks that you are not like the other gods of this world who demand our attention 24-7, who call us to be on all the time and to give up our time, money and energy for its glory. But rather, you are a God who invites us to work hard, yes, but to rest hard as well. That you are a God who knows us best and you know how we ought to live so that we might have life to the full. And speaking of life to the full, we give you thanks that in Jesus we have that. That in Jesus uh, we are free. That we no longer are slaves to this world. We no longer are slaves to the expectation of giving up all of our time for its sake. And we thank you that we are free to worship you. But Father, if we are honest, time is precious. And we live in a day and age. And we live in an office. We live in a workplace. We live in a, uh, a field of work that is really difficult for us to set even one day of the week aside and to pause and to rest in our Lord Jesus. Father, you know us in our weakness. You know our circumstances better than anyone around us. So, Father, would you help us? Help us to use our time to worship you, to increase our trust in the Lord Jesus by fighting to rest. Father, it is a fight. We don't normally rest. It is ingrained in us to work all the time, and even so, the culture that we live in forces us to work all the time. Father, help us to fight against it, knowing that this is a gift, a precious gift that you have given us in your Son, the Lord of the Sabbath. Help my friends here and brothers and sisters here to really wrestle with that. Yes, help us to figure out what to do on that day, but, but first and foremost, help us to be convinced of its importance and to fight for its relevance in our lives. Father, help us rest in you. A great invitation. We thank you for the last two weeks where we were able to touch on uh, this amazing and relevant topic Help us to rest properly, biblically and faithfully, so that we might be better equipped to live for you and grow in our faith. Why don't we spend just a minute? If you are convinced, 
and I hope you are, and if you are keen on uh, sort of reforming and, 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 and changing up your schedule in light of what was said, uh, maybe commit that plan to the Lord in this next minute. Ask God for help. Ask God for guidance. Ask God for perseverance. But let's commit that decision to the Lord so that we might honour God with our time and therefore rest. Let's pray.